1: Good
2: evening, everybody. I'm Tyler Matheson, in tonight from Melissa Lee, and this is Fast Money. Tonight's trader lineup, Guy Adami, Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, and Steve Grasso. And tonight on Fast, stocks surge as the world awaits. We'll break down what drove today's rally as vote counting continues. Plus, we're tracking the after-hours action in Uber, Peloton, Electronic Arts, and Square, all of them. On the move, on earnings, and we'll bring you the latest later. Bitcoin breaking out in a big way. We'll tell you what sent the cryptocurrency to its highest level in nearly three years. But we start tonight with the uh, story that's front and center for investors in all of America right now. That would be the vote counting that is underway in five key battleground states plus Alaska. Let's get right to Eamon Javers with more on where things stand at this hour. Hi, Eamon.
3: Yeah, hi, Tyler. Take a look at the big board, and you'll see that we haven't really moved all day today in terms of the Electoral College vote count, as all the vote counters around the country are doing their jobs. Biden, 253, Trump, 214, and the race to 270. Joe Biden has more paths to 270 now than Donald Trump does, but it's not over for either man. We just got a new batch of data from Pennsylvania. I'm going to give you that in a second, but let's start with Arizona, and you can see where we stand uh, in that state. They've been giving us some new data throughout the day. 50.5. Biden, 48.1. Trump, that's with 86% in, 11 electoral votes at stake there. In Nevada, a similar picture. They were giving us some data throughout the day this morning, West Coast time, uh, 49.4 for Biden, 48.5. For Trump, still too close to call with 89 percent of the vote in in Nevada. Then Georgia, another state where uh, we're seeing an interesting move here by the Biden camp, uh, making a run at a historically very, very red, red state. Forty nine point five for Trump. Forty nine point three for Biden. A difference there. Look at that A difference of nine thousand five hundred and twenty five votes. That. Tyler is a squeaker with 98 percent of the vote in in the state of Georgia and now Pennsylvania, a state that has just given us a little bit of additional data uh, this afternoon. Ninety three percent of the vote in. too close to call there. Fifty point one percent. Trump, forty eight point seven percent for Biden. That difference narrowing now under one hundred thousand with ninety thousand 542 votes separating the two gentlemen. So uh, a tighter and tighter race in the state of Pennsylvania, Tyler. That is the big one in this scenario. If Biden were to capture Pennsylvania and the Pennsylvania authorities say they might be finished counting tonight, if he can continue to make up that lead, this race is over and he'll be the 46th president of the United States. Absent that, the counting continues and the drama continues in all of these other states.
2: And in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, I believe uh, Mr. Biden is winning 77% of the mail-in ballots versus 22% or thereabouts for Mr. Trump. The Georgia story is fascinating because it looked nothing like this uh, a couple of days ago. It looked like it was really sewed up by Mr. Trump.
3: Yeah, you know, we're seeing this blue shift that we talked about before the election actually playing out in Georgia and in Pennsylvania, where those mail-in ballots that were counted late, those tended to come in uh, for Biden, right? Because a lot of the mail-in folks were Joe Biden supporters who believed in COVID, trusted the U.S. mail system. The Trump uh, supporters generally were skeptical of COVID, skeptical of the U.S. mail system. So now we're seeing that these different buckets of vote look very different from one another, even within the same state. And we're seeing some uh, frustration now from the Trump camp. We saw Joe Biden come out and just talk to his supporters, urging calm, urging patience. We're now seeing some of the Trump family members expressing some frustration that they say they're not getting enough backing from other members of the Republican Party, demanding to know where is the GOP. And seeing an interesting split here now. Sean Spicer on a radio program earlier today, the president's former press secretary breaking with the president, disagreeing with him on this issue of whether or not there's any fraud out there. Sean Spicer saying he just hasn't seen it uh, and it's not right necessarily to throw out those allegations if you don't have evidence of fraud. The president has been saying there is fraud of some kind out there, uh, but his supporters have not really been able to deliver specific evidence of that. And two of their lawsuits so far today have been thrown out in Georgia and in Michigan. So the legal wrangling continuing here, Tyler, as well.
2: All right, Eamon, if you hear more, I know you'll ring us. Thanks very much, we'll Eamon do. Janifers.
3: Yes, you bet. All
2: right, let's check out the market action. Another big day
3: as we await a
2: winner in the presidential race. Stocks, of course, brushing off uh, all the uncertainty and rallying for a fourth straight day. The S&P 500 gaining nearly 2%. It is now up 7% for the week. And get this, the S&P has rallied more than 1% for four consecutive days, and that hasn't happened in more than 38 years. Technology, the top performing sector today and this week, followed by healthcare, telecom, consumer discretionary. So stocks are surging as the counting continues. Guy Adami, what's the market telling us? What's the message of the market in your beautiful living room?
4: I'm going to answer that, Tyler. I will answer that, but I'm going to say something. Here in the United States, we don't live under the rule of a king or a queen, but we have royalty in <laughs> our house for the next hour. And that comes in the form of you, young man. And I just want to put it out there now. Thanks for hosting tonight. What is the market seeing? You know, Steve spoke to this. I know Tim has spoken to this. It's not necessarily the main event in the form of the presidential race. It's the composition of the Senate, and I think the market is really happy with how things.
2: To that point, uh, when when there has been divided government, uh, the stock market, Tim, has generally done. Pretty well and better by the way, under when it's been a Democrat president on average uh, and and uh, he's been opposed by either one house or two houses of Congress, that may have been skewed by the Clinton years and then the obama years where where, they, where the where the the government was divided, but the stock market did well tim
5: yeah I'm sorry Tyler and yep. welcome aboard I, Thank I think you. you're right, and it's some irony that of course the market which was Uh, The Trump report card is is certainly uh, applauding a, you know, a potential change here. But the more important part is the Senate, because if you, you know, we talked about the move in the big cap tech stocks as a function of not only there had been fear of capital gains tax and some uh, potential very big selling in the tech sector, which has had a lion's share of the gains, but also slower growth. Uh, possibly from uh, less stimulus, from uh, less growth-oriented policies. Biden, uh, if he is president-elect, may not have the same mandate, and therefore may be tougher uh, to grease the rails of the economy. So that's part of the explanation. The weaker dollar, uh, which is back near again, you know, two-plus-year lows, uh, was was there to support all those parts of the trade that didn't work yesterday, including resources. And and look, the Fed is out there today. Uh, it's it's amazing that this was kind of a you know uh, you know a side of event that really didn't get a lot of attention, nor do I think the Fed wanted to upstage an election process that's still very much uh, in center stage. But uh, very important that the market has moved 10 percent effectively, uh, 10 and a half on the Nasdaq off those lows from Thursday in effectively uh, four sessions. And that's something that I think market participants need to think about here this has been an extraordinary move uh, and and i i certainly had expected more of a pullback from the nasdaq we are near those highs semis broke out to fresh new highs which has often augured a move higher in the markets but i i would urge some caution steve where do you think we go from here obviously we
2: value you for your for your uh, investment acumen but but it really was apart from what happened in the presidential race it was not a particularly great night for the Democrats, they, they look like they're not going to get, get the Senate and they lost seats in the House.
6: Right. So I, th- I think where you started this off was was correct. So the market expected a blue wave, didn't get a blue wave. So the market <clears throat> overshot, uh, thinking that uh, that we were going to get the sell off in tech, because, as Tim said, you were going to get a doubling of the cap gains tax. So everyone who had these huge gains, Tyler we're going to sell them before the new year. No reason to hold on to them. So now when you get the Senate that doesn't roll blue, everyone has some time to think about what they're going to do. You're not going to get $10 trillion in spending from the Biden camp. You're not going to get all the other spending that we're talking about. We're not talking about the Green New Deal any longer. You're not going to get breakup of techs companies. So if you look at the market, the market is dangerously close to a triple top in the S&P. But I just think it was a relief rally to start off with if you go from the relief rally to now a little bit longer in the tooth i think you have to look at the senate you know you cover it every day you have two seats that the democrats are going to push for a runoff if they win both those seats then you get a 50 50 tie in the senate who breaks that tie tyler kamala harris so now it starts i think the market's getting a little bit ahead of itself and maybe uh maybe we're not going to get that 50-50 senate but it's something at least to think about.
2: Karen tie up this uh, conversation for us. What is the market saying and is this a rally that could endure? Remember uh when uh, President Trump uh after the election 4 years ago the the market took off
7: for weeks. Yeah, I think the market's saying there we're closer to clarity, that's one thing and sort of you know, sell the rumor, buy the news of there being noise around the election. But I think the other thing, as everyone else has said, it's the Senate. But I think it is, what do these stocks all have in common? They've been on different sides, you know, growth or value. All of them went up. Everything went up. And what they all have in common is uh, corporate taxes. And so with the Senate more likely um, being held onto by the GOP, I think that corporate taxes are the thing that drives a lot of this because they all have that in common. And that would be a big turnaround from the expectation that rates were going to go back to 28%.
2: All right, let's uh, get our next guest into the conversation. And he says, don't get too comfortable. The election unknowns will begin to weigh on stocks. Let's bring in Mark Yusko, head of Morgan Creek Capital Management. Mark, welcome back. Good to see you. You're a little bit of a a, great to have you with us. I feel like the substitute teacher tonight. But and these guys are behaving very well. It won't take long before they start to misbehave. But but be that as it may. (laughs) Anyhow, you're a little bit more skeptical on where on where the market may go from here. You think the S&P trade is is a little
1: bit dangerous. Large cap and large cap growth. Explain why. Yeah, look, I, I think uh, the math is simple, right? We we went down in the two weeks leading up to the election, and we've recovered that, which is normal standard fare around elections. Uh, the down was a little worse because of the fears of the blue wave. The up is a little more because of short covering. And uh, look, this S&P multiple of earnings today is 35 times. Growth is negative. Global trade is down. Uh, spending wave is not coming. I think there's a lot of, of reckoning. All of the gain this year is multiple expansion. Earnings are actually down year over year. So I think you need to be very cautious about equities. And look, stocks are up low single digits for the year. Gold is outperformed. Uh, my favorite asset, Bitcoin, has trounced stocks this year. Uh, international stocks are doing better. The big winner in this election is China and Bitcoin, are big winners, I guess. So I think you need to be taking profits in, in your equities if you hold them and uh, diversifying long bonds have outperformed stocks this year. Who would have thought that? I see Steve nodding, but, I, but I'd like
2: to get in one, one question there. I mean, I, I, let's stipulate that, that most of the gain this year in stocks is from multiple expansion. But, but isn't that a signal that the market thinks the economy is going to be really good
1: next year and that earnings will ultimately catch up with it? No, not at all. In fact, just the opposite. It's 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 an acknowledgement that interest rates are going to be low for a very long time. And so people are extrapolating those low interest rates, plugging them into dividend discount models, and getting silly numbers. I mean, the problem is the Fed model of valuing stocks based on interest rates breaks down below two percent tenure. So I just think that's a fallacy. The idea that, that the economy is gonna get better next year, no way. Go to Main Street. There is pain on Main Street around this country like we haven't seen. We've lost 15 million jobs. 15 million jobs have been wiped out and are probably many of them not coming back. So uh, the idea that there's gonna be a recovery next year, no chance. I don't don't disagree
2: with you, by the way. I took a ride last night going to my son's last baseball game of the year. He struck out three times, that's no matter. Uh, (laughs) And I, I was on a corner in Bloomfield, New Jersey, a big, busy corner and to look up and see the uh, space for rent signs everywhere in everywhere. all of the big buildings. it was a tell. It was absolutely a tell. Steve, I saw you nodding there. Who wants to, which of my pupils would like to jump in here on this? Steve, go ahead.
6: So, so yeah, so the quick question is when you look at, I, I agree uh, with you, I think that China is the, is the big winner here, but do you think that a President Biden is going to be pushed to be more aggressive than he ordinarily would be on China, just because of all the headlines that we've had going into this
1: election? Uh, this is a great insight. And, and look, there's no question that, you know, we have always needed an enemy, an adversary, and, and China's the easy one right now. And, and look, I've been talking about this with, with the team on, on Fast Money for the last year or so. Is 10 years ago, we made a decision in the U.S. to be great in, social media, and we are awesome at Instagram and Facebook. China made a decision to be great at 5G and AI, and that's what's gonna dominate in the next decade. And we're seeing it all around the world. People are choosing to side with China on the 5G standard. The bad news for all of us is we're gonna end up with two internets, the Chinese internet, the American or Western internet. That's less good for productivity. It's less good for security and privacy. Uh, but that's where we're headed. So hating on China is going to continue. You're absolutely right that a a uh, red Senate will push Biden to be a little more hawkish than he would like to otherwise be. But uh, I say this all the time. China's playing go. Why we argue about how to set up the checkerboard. They're playing a different game. That's why their stock market's up over 30 percent this year. It's why it's outperformed for the past Three or four years is why i will outperform going forward.
2: You mean TikTok videos and Instagram reels showing me how to shuffle
1: dance are not is not going to rule the world? You know, it's it's important, Tyler, but what, what's not as important as as that is you know the last time we were together and and it's been too long and I I uh, I'm sad that it took us years to get back together on air. But remember when we were on air uh, at lunchtime two years ago in December. Uh, We issued the Morgan Creek Digital Asset Challenge. And we said, we'll bet anybody over the next decade, million dollars for charity, just like the Buffett bet, that Bitcoin would outperform the S&P. No one would take that bet. And I'm still standing by it. We'll issue it again. Anybody wants to take that bet. Bitcoin's up 5x since you and I were together two years ago. And it's got
2: a long way to go. All right, and 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 a good day for Bitcoin again, today, Mark. Thank you very much, Tim.
5: Your final
1: no, thoughts thanks here. Thanks for
5: having me. Oh, it's great to see you, man. Uh, Tim, final thoughts here? Yeah, Tyler. I mean, look, Mark brought up the rest of the world too, and and even ex-China. What's very interesting is you're starting to see a breakout in in certain. Uh, markets that, that, that if anything, um, had been waiting for a breakout for a long time. So uh, you've seen some of the Latin American moves. You've seen some of the Eastern European moves. And, and you've even seen the European markets start to catch a bit. I, I I think the the strongest growth in the longer term is coming from the U.S., but on relative value, uh, the global markets and that breakout in the EEM this week is something I think investors should look at.
2: All righty. Thanks. Uh, let's uh, got it. We
5: hey, got an Tyler. whoa, 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 Tyler. Go well, so, no, hold on. Oh,
4: Wait, you got an earnings thing? No, go yeah, to your no, earnings no, no, thing because no, no, I was going to get thought. in your grill. Finish your thought.
2: Finish your thought. No, please. you
4: got you got your son by the 5% chance your son is watching. And hello, young man. Good <laughs> to have you here. Just be happy you got up the plate you swung the bat He's and you didn't take the golden sombrero. Oh, Don't worry man. about your old man, I'll get you in the cage. You
2: should have seen a curveball from a left-hander just buckle his knees last night. It was it was something else. Anyhow, <laughs> All right, we got an you ear- buckled my knees too uh, way back when. We got an earnings alert on Uber, the stock volatile after hours on an earnings miss. The company's conference call is underway. Dieter Bosa is following the news and has more. Hi D.
8: Hey, Tyler. Well, key for investors is still profitability. Ubers pivot away from ride sharing and toward food delivery. That could make that target more difficult to attain. On the earnings call, though, CEO Darwikaz Shahi said that this business delivery can be EBITDA profitable by next year.
5: In Q3, we had over 10 delivery countries adjusted EBITDA break even or better. While we recognize we, have, we still have enormous opportunity for
2: growth and investment in the segment, we're confident that we can lean in and turn delivery EBITDA profitable sometime next year.
8: So as our traders well know, adjusted EBITDA is that measure of profitability that Uber likes to use. And we did see some improvement there. But if we go the more traditional route, net losses, Uber has burned through some $5.8 billion so far this year. Now, when Khosr Shahi mentions growth and investment, he is alluding here to the opportunity in food delivery amid changing habits in the pandemic. But he's also alluding to investment needed to compete with the likes of of DoorDash, which is iron capital through an IPO, and Grubhub, newly capitalized by the Just Eat Takeaway acquisition. Now, on Prop 22, uh, the Q&A session is underway and lots of questions about Prop 22 costs. That is, of course, the California regulatory win. Krasar Shahi um, is acknowledging that it will impact rates for riders, but he says that he does not think that that will impact demand. Back over to you.
2: All right, Deirdre, thank you very much. Uh, why don't I start with you, Karen? What do, what do you think about Uber? Is it a place to put money now?
7: I don't really think so. I mean, I think they're trying to do the right things. I think delivery, that growth was actually very impressive. Uh, Clearly in a pandemic situation like we have, it's very hard for the more traditional Uber business. But I mean, think about it. The stock is not that far off from where it debuted. That was a very sort of different world that we lived in. And, you know, they've done a lot of things right. They've gotten their expenses under control, but it still is not, to me, at uh, a valuation where I would feel comfortable, I think we'll get past this part. I, I think that you know that people will start using Uber again, and in a year and a half or so, maybe they'll be back to where they were. But to me, it's expensive, so I'm not. I'm not a. I'm an Uber user, but not a but, shareholder. But not, not an
4: investor. Guy, how about you? Look at Uber. Look at the outperformance vis-a-vis Lyft over the last five or six months. It's pretty unbelievable. So Uber's right up against that February high of forty-two. You know, Steve talked about a triple top. You have a major double top potential in Uber, whereas Lyft is nowhere close to that 54 high it saw in February. I think you sell Uber here, you take profits in Uber, and you pair into Lyft, because I do think you're going to see, I don't think Lyft is going to catch up, but I think it's going to uh, close the gap. So Lyft is the trade here, Ty.
2: All right, Guy, thanks very much. We're going to take a quick break, and coming up, we've got earnings alerts. We'll talk a little bit more about Uber, but Peloton is in the queue. EA, Square, all four stocks are on the move in the after hours. We'll bring you the latest from their quarters. But first, a major update on the coronavirus as America hits a new record number of cases. Meg Terrell standing by with the details when Fast Money returns.
9: What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC.
2: Welcome back to Fast Money. We are following a developing story on the coronavirus as America hits Another grim milestone. Let's get to Meg Terrell with more. Hi, Meg.
9: Hey, Tyler. Well, that milestone, 100,000 cases we passed yesterday here in the United States. This was a milestone that folks like Dr. Anthony Fauci had been warning about since the summer. Well, yesterday we recorded 103,000 daily new cases in the United States on a seven day average. We're now up to 89,000 cases per day. Hospitalizations are also rising. Now we have 52,000 Americans in the hospital with COVID-19. Deaths also on the rise, more than a 1,000 reported yesterday. Here in the United States is where the infections are spreading the fastest. In the red, that's the Midwest where you're seeing more than 500 new daily COVID-19 cases per day, per million people in those states. But really, the spread is happening everywhere in this country. And most concerningly, you are seeing ICU capacity getting strained in at least 30 states, particularly uh, in states in the South. Uh, Now, we are starting to see, of course, lockdowns across Europe, as they are seeing incredibly concerning numbers in terms of cases, hospitalizations, and deaths as well. Uh, England starting a month-long lockdown today. France started one on October 30th. Germany started what it's calling a lockdown light. Uh, November 2nd, Italy is also seeing some zoned lockdown measures as of November 4th. Now, this, Tyler, as the United States is still behind Europe and the U.K. in terms of cases on a per capita basis. The blue line there is the E.U., the orange is the U.K., and the green line is us here in the United States. However, the trajectory we're on heading into the colder months has health experts extremely worried. Carlos Del Rio from Emory University saying today he thinks we could hit 200,000 new daily cases uh, by Thanksgiving, if we continue on this pace. Okay? So, so,
2: so tell me there. I, I was trying to look at the at the graph there uh, one more time. Maybe they can put it back up. We were the greenish uh, arrow, so we don't have as many cases per uh, million people as as Europe.
9: Exactly on a per capita basis, we are still beneath Europe and the UK, mm-hmm. but our trajectory is starting to head in their direction. And you know, folks like Dr. Gottlieb have been warning for the last couple of weeks. We're about three to four weeks behind europe so the worry is that we're going to get to 200,000 mm-hmm. cases per day at some point
2: the slope of the line is steep uh, meg terrell thank you very much uh, you know tim let's turn to to whether the market is paying enough attention uh, to uh, the rising case count what do you think
5: it, it's it's completely an anathema to what we were doing the first time through i think bond yields are are, are probably more of the story and if you remember bond yields started plunging in really in mid to late january before the stock market did so it's not that bond yields have have fallen out of bed to the downside and plunged, but there's no question uh... that what we're starting to 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 see is at least uh, a bond market that is a lot more concerned about the trajectory here. Um, you know, if you look at certain cyclical sectors, um, you know, it's hard to make an argument that the market is reacting here. It, in fact, it's extraordinary uh, that the market seems to be more focused on on the election dynamics and and possibly even Fed dynamics than they were on COVID. When in fact we're going in the other direction. I I, I don't think investors should take their eye too far off the ball here. What was most interesting today was that. Uh, transportation stocks. Some of the, uh, you know, some some of the cruise lines, some of the airlines were were actually rallying today. There was company-specific news, but um, this is not a story that's getting better. Uh, the, The trajectory is, as you said, not our friend.
2: All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break. And uh, still ahead, solar stocks lighting up today are more sunny days ahead for that sector. We'll bring you that trade. But first, check out some of tonight's big earnings movers. We're going to dive into the results uh, from each of these companies when Fast Money returns after this short, short break.
0: What's on the horizon for financial markets?
2: Welcome back everybody to Fast Money, busy night on the earnings front. And check out the moves in Peloton, Square, Electronic Arts, and Take Two Interac- Interactive. Our Ace Reporter team of Josh Lipton, Kate Rooney, Diana Olick standing by with the numbers, and Diana, you get to go first with Peloton.
10: Yeah, Tyler, yet another strong beat for Peloton and fiscal Q1 on both EPS revenue as well as Q2 and full year guidance. They continued to see strong growth in subscribers, connected fitness subscriptions, which is through the bike or the treadmill, up 137% annually and paid digital subscriptions, which is the app up 382%. All that said, though, CEO John Foley started the earnings call just a few minutes ago on a much lower note, expressing regret over long wait times for customer service due to supply chain problems related to COVID fires in the West, as well as unexpectedly strong demand for its new product, the Bike Plus. He said, it pains us that we've been underperforming recently versus the high standards we strive for. Wait times have been unacceptably long. Now, to address that, he listed four actions, some of which will cost the company. First, increasing manufacturing, then investing in expedited shipping, including air shipments, which will incur higher costs for Peloton increasing the member support team and then giving future members complete transparency on the website that delivery times may be longer than they might expect. And that is likely why the stock is trading lower after hours, down about 5 percent.
2: Diana, thank you very much. Guy, let's turn to you. I've heard friends tell me that they've waited three, four months to get a a Peloton. Um, I guess my question for you is, are Peloton's best growth days behind it?
4: Best growth days? Yes. Does that mean the stock can't continue to go higher? No, because I think people say, well, you know, churn rate's going to go up. But churn rate was below nine uh, tenths of one percent. The revenue beat was tremendous. The EPS beat is tremendous. They're probably running the business better. You look at all the people just in terms of the subscription model that they've built. So although the, you can't have this sustained growth, I don't, think the, the, I don't think the best days for the stock are behind <laughs> us. Growth maybe, stock no. This move makes sense in terms of where the stock has gone, where it's been. I think you buy it again if it trades down to one ten.
2: Interesting, interesting. Steve, what, what is your thought here about about Peloton? <clears throat> Another thing that, that I, I'm a user. I own one. I, I enjoy it. I think it's very good. Uh, is is the question you can that tell. is the <laughs> is the is the idea <laughs> that uh, that um, uh, you threw me completely off, off train there. The idea that there's not a big moat around it. Other companies can come in and do what they do.
6: Yeah, I think that's a great angle, and especially when you hear the CEO talk about supply chain disruption or the wait times or the customer service. That puts people really, uh, really off on buying it for the future. This is a shelter-in-place play. I know Guy loves it. I know you love it. People will have it and can actually get it in their living room, I do love, the, do love the, uh, the equipment, but when you look at where it's gone, to, it's definitely a play on shelter in place. I think we're moving closer to a vaccine, hopefully. If that, if th- if that is true, then I think you're going to see these high flyers like a Peloton come in. It ran out of gas uh, way before its, its recent high of 139.75. I would not be a buyer right now. I think it's going to come back down, all the way back down to the 50 which is
4: $104, so I would wait hands off it right now.
2: And, Guy, what did you say the price point was where you would uh, start to snap it up?
4: Yeah, 110 I understand what Steve's saying. I see that price as well. Uh, and I'm sorry I can't see you, Ty, but I, kn- I already <laughs> know that you're a stud, so you don't need a Peloton. <laughs> uh, I mean, you're you flattering the substitute teacher.
2: Good. You're flattering him. All right, next up, check out the moves in these two gaming stocks. One would be Electronic Arts. The other, Take-Two Interactive. Josh Lipton has the numbers and is ready to break them down. Hey, Josh.
11: So, Tyler, I just checked in with Andrew Irkwitz over to Oppenheimer. Andrew covers these names. I wanted his take. So on EA, he says numbers were basically in line with company guidance, but lighter than what investors wanted, given that typically video game companies beat and raise. Company did announce a new share repurchase program and first ever dividend, but Andrew's saying investors actually want EA to make acquisitions, not issue a dividend. Bottom line, appears that rivals like Activision and Take-Two Andrew says have better IP right now. On the EA call, CEO Andrew Wilson talked about what he called the depth and breadth of the portfolio. The FIFA franchise now engaging more than 100 million players globally. Apex Legends, remember that it's it's an answer to Fortnite. He called it top mobile franchise, but clearly investors disappointed here, at least in the after hour. Also spoke with Andrew Irkwitz about take two. Now there he says strong quarter guide ahead of the street materially took up guidance. The print he says bodes well as we now come into those prime months for GTA and NBA take two K. On the Take-Two call, CEO Strauss Zelnick saying positive momentum continuing. He called out certain titles like NBA 2K. He says they are prepared and thrilled to take the next step with those next generation game consoles launching next week. The appetite for gaming, Zelnick saying, has never been stronger. Tyler, back to All you. All
2: right, never been stronger in my basement. My son is a big NBA 2K <laughs> fan. Uh, Tim, let's, let's trade the, the gaming stocks. What do you think?
5: Maybe that's why he's striking out. He's playing too much time playing video games. So just kidding. Um, so so uh, this is really disappointing on the EA side. And Take 2 is kind of in line with what you've been expecting. NBA 2K, uh, first of all, we had athletes playing that on ESPN during during the, the, the worst of COVID. I mean, they're totally in the sweet spot. Gaming is in the sweet spot, especially consoles, even though we may be moving more to the cloud. On the EA side, this company's paying a dividend. Yeah, come on, this is a growth company. This is a story where, uh, you know, FIFA has been delayed, uh, Apex Legends apparently is losing some slack, the, the Madden NFL story was very positive, we got some good read into the August numbers, but uh, this is disappointing, these bookings numbers were not great, uh, they were more or less in line, but they were slightly weaker and, and the outlook isn't that great for a company that should be in the sweet spot right now. I'm a shareholder, uh, I'm disappointed. All right, uh, you know, Kate Rooney's been waiting very patiently for this moment, Square is on
2: the move after its latest report. Kate, tell us about the results.
12: Last but not least, a really strong quarter for Square with a huge beat on earnings. The stock's up more than 5% right now. But analysts I'm talking to are by far the most excited about the Square Cash App. That's the competitor to Venmo. Some highlights here. Cash App gross profit jumped 212% from a year ago. The average daily transacting customers doubled from a year ago. And those who use it for two or more products, they say, are three to four times more profitable. So some strong engagement here. The stock brokerage on Cash App saw by far the fastest adoption of any of those products. That only launched about a year ago. The call is underway right now. CEO Jack Dorsey with some bullish comments on Bitcoin. He called it the native currency of the Internet, highlighting uh, Square's move in the quarter to put roughly $50 million worth of Bitcoin on the company's balance sheet. And finally, Square's core seller business. I spoke to CFO Amrita Ahuja right after earnings came out. She said that is recovering modestly. In October, seller payments volume from those in-person transactions rose 1%. That category, of course, has been hit the hardest during COVID. Uh, but Cash App and e-commerce are more than making up for it. Tyler, back to you.
2: Kate, thank you very much. Karen, what should I do with, uh, with that one, Square? Mm-hmm.
7: So Square I thought was expensive, but I actually think up seven dollars with this earnings release, it's a lot better than it was yesterday before this. The magnitude of the revenue growth is just stunning. So as Kate said, uh, that you know, cash app, it really was incredible, that engagement, that ecosystem, the only risk I see are, if there isn't a stimulus, that was good for Square, very good when we had the first PPP. And um, maybe if the market cools down, some of the trading in the Bitcoin, maybe that cools off also. But just an absolutely stellar quarter.
2: All right, Karen, thank you. We've got a lot more ahead here on Fast Money. And here's what's coming up next. Alibaba shares have lost a little bit of their magic this week. But is the sell-off overdone? we'll go hunting for some answers. And later, options traders taking a real shine to the gold trade today. What one trader is betting on for the mining stocks. We've got that and a lot more when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Shares of Alibaba sitting out the rally today. This time, earnings are to blame. The Chinese tech giant matched revenue targets, beat its earnings estimates, and reported 60% growth in cloud revenue. But that was not enough, it seems, to impress investors. Karen, did it impress you?
7: It did impress me. I actually thought the sell-off this morning was overdone. It was down at one point maybe $15. So I bought some more today. Uh, It was light on some core commerce. That was, I think, part of the disappointment. But they had other metrics that were really good, annual active customer, um, mobile MAU, both of those really strong. Their cloud business is really strong. I mean, to me, it's an Amazon recreation all over again between uh, e commerce, cloud, grocery, entertainment, advertising. They even have logistics business, and all of that together. They do have Ant Financial, which obviously we know is a very difficult. Uh, difficult thing this week and that that is real pain but the stock was much higher than here the valuation at this level i think is very attractive so i was a buyer on that disappointment today All But right. i wasn't disappointed
2: tim so why the long
5: face on uh, alibaba today I, I think people were a little bit bummed out on the margin side. I, you can't be. And, and, and they're investing in their business. There's significant infrastructure and logistics. Think of all the times uh, we beat up on Amazon. And as Karen pointed out, this is not only an Amazon story, but this is a land grab. And if you think Amazon has benefited from COVID, what do you think Bob is doing in Asia? Alipay and payments, uh, a big part of their business. I, I think the valuation relative to mega cap tech around the world pick... I think this is the most interesting story. I think this is the next trillion dollar company outside of the, you know, the four that are here. Um, so I, I think that's the story you want to follow, I think, or the three that are here. That's the story you want to follow. Um, and I, I would not be put off. The and Financial News this week kind of knocked people back on sentiment. I, I think it will be back. So that's two. Uh, that's two yays for uh, Alibaba there, Karen and Tim. Thanks, guys.
2: Coming up, gold glistening today, even as stocks soared and options traders are betting on even more gains for the precious metal. We will break down the action when we return. Plus, a renewed trade in the renewables. We will tell you what lit up the solar space. It's lit. Fast is back. We're lit in two. And welcome back to Fast Money, everybody. Gold rallying today, even as stocks soared, and options traders are starting to take a real shine to bullion. Let's get to Mike Coe, who spotted a heavy metal trade in the market today. What did you see, Mike? What does it tell you?
4: Yeah, so we were taking a look at GDX, which is the gold miner ETF. We saw more than double the average daily call volume in that. And where we saw a lot of that activity, and this by the way, is implying a move of about twelve and a half percent higher or lower by year 's end was in the january forty five calls that included a block of about five thousand contracts that traded for a dollar forty and buyers of those call contracts are betting that GDX could rally about 20 percent or more by January expiration, which is less than three months away. But that isn't the only bet that we saw. We also saw bullish bets in the gold futures, December specifically, targeting a 5 percent increase there. We also saw some bullish bets in GLD, which is the gold tracking ETF, betting on a 5 to 10 percent increase by December and 15 percent or more by January. So across the complex, we're seeing some bullish activity.
2: All right, Mike, thank you. Guy, what what do you think of gold and, and how would you invest in it? If you do like it,
4: you got to be. You know, if you want to play the levered plays, it's in the mining stocks, and we've talked about Newmont for a while. If you want to be in the ETFs, either GDXJ, the junior miners, or the GDX. But I'll tell you, in terms of gold, it had two headwinds over the last couple of weeks: this, the broader equity market that sold off in a meaningful way, which historically uh, moves of that magnitude are not bullish for precious metals, somewhat counterintuitive, and the dollar caught a bit. Well, both things seem to have abated. And gold's off to the races, in my opinion. And you have a Fed that seems to be very willing to continue to torch our currency. And yes, I use the word torch. And that doesn't seem to be stopping anytime soon. And I think gold's going to continue to go higher. I love what Coco Beware just put out there. And I think he's spot on, Ty.
2: All right, let's, uh, let's go to Tim for a follow-thought. And then, Steve, if you want to jump in for a quickie. Go ahead, Tim.
5: Yeah, I, I, I agree that gold's going higher. The, the August 7, uh, 2075, something like that uh, on bullion will, will get taken out. I don't think it's until next year uh, when the dust settles, though. We're going to be left with a case where the Fed, uh, whatever tools they have left, they are keeping rates low and they are fighting deflation, not inflation, as far as I'm concerned, uh, even though there is inflation. In other words, they've got this mixed up uh, and that's an environment where gold will do well. Silver is underperformed. And remember how that gold-silver ratio at one point was a major buy of silver over gold. Starting to get interesting again, Steve. Final thought?
6: Yeah. So the the uh, another ratio, the miners. This guy just talked about the GDX miners ETF is up 31 percent year to date. GLD is up 25 percent year to date. Usually the miners outperform the metal by two or three to one. They're not doing that just yet. The the charts are jumping. I would look for GDX to trade up quickly. So I agree with Mike. Coco, beware.
2: All right. Uh, for more options action, folks, be sure to tune into the full show tomorrow at 530 p.m. Eastern time. Coming up, solar stock shining today as investors bet big on renewables. We'll tell you how to trade it. But first, how about some pizza? Jim Kramer will chat with the CEO of Papa John's after the company served up a big earnings beat. Be sure to catch that interview top of the hour. Mad Money. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out the solar stocks bouncing back big time today. Names like SunPower, Enphase Energy, SolarEdge, Tech, all leading the way. Steve Grasso, the names were down yesterday. What's behind the move higher today? Is it a Biden bounce? What?
6: Yeah, so I think it is a Biden bounce. So if you look at all those Biden-related stocks, did not perform yesterday. So counterintuitive, you would have expected them to rip immediately. I think they just took a, a little bit of a lag. The market's been up. People are trying to reassess and see where the money is going to be spent, where the stimulus dollars are going to be spent, what he is able to do as president, what he's not able to do as president with a red Senate. But if you want to play this uh, space, Tyler, TAN, T-A-N, that's the ETF for solar, better than risking it on individual names. You get all the names that you just spoke about that are involved in the ETF. The ETF is up 119% year-to-date. You don't have to worry about single stock leverage so t t a n i think is the way to play solar especially in a biden presidency
2: tim how about you is that a good way to go with an etf as opposed to an individual name usually often is
5: I think, Steve, has nailed what you want to do in solar. First of all, historically, these have been very levered companies, bad balance sheets. And I think taking a thematic approach is what you do in solar. That's the call. And I think the call today was also uh, it was some sense that the Senate might still be wide open for uh, for the blue. Uh, that's not my call. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that's what the speculation was. And it gave a lot of those folks out there a- an opportunity to latch onto that trade. Yeah. But um, still down big from where we were pre-election. Suppose I guess the
2: door you could say the door is ajar. Are for the Democrats to sneak in and, and, yep. and maybe take the Senate. Karen, I find myself thinking that that ultimately uh, renewable energy is going to be the future of not just of the United States, but of the world. China's all in on it, and that's the way it's ultimately going to go. Is it too early to, to put a lot of chips behind that bet, or is my bet just wrong?
7: No, I think you're right. You know, and I think we didn't get to it, but GM today right? They're, they're, they're trying to be ahead of that game. So they're going to be an all-EV company. I'm not sure how long it'll take be to get there. But I think that that is the future. And it's starting now, sort of, you know, gradually at first, then all of a sudden. So I think you got to be in that space. All
2: right, Karen, thanks very much. Up next, the final trades. We will count it down. And uh, we'll be right back. All right, welcome back, folks. Time for the final trade. Let's go around the horn. Tim, you get to go first today because the powers invested in me allow me to pick.
5: Well, you, you deserve all the power, Tyler, and Alibaba deserves a, a very strong look here on a pullback. I think you get the the, the best growth for the money in mega cap tech. Uh, it's a name I'm long.
2: Alibaba, Mr. Grasso,
6: trinceo It's a name I talk about a lot. It's up about forty three percent in the last month or so. I'm looking for it to trade up another 43% pretty quickly, Tyler. I'm in the name. I'm staying in the name. I think it goes much higher.
2: What does Trinseo? I don't even know Trinseo. what do they do?
6: Chemical space. Chemicals, chemicals. That's your. This is your, this is your Biden play as well. This is a value play. This is where you're looking for. This was one of my plays right. uh, that I pitched to Kelly the other day on a Biden election.
2: Without chemicals, life itself would be impossible. Karen. <laughs>
7: Yeah, so I'm long a bunch of uh, FANG stocks, which has been great, but it feels kind of frothy to me. I don't want to sell them, so I shorted some IGV, which is the ETF software, tech ETF. It has some of the more growthy names, right. so like a Zoom, an Autodesk, an Oracle. The frothy so fangs. stay with the FANGs, short Guy, the IGV.
2: Five seconds, my friend. I know Fire you can eye, do it. eye, you big stud. <laughs> Fire eye. thanks for watching Fast Money. Jim Cramer starts in just a couple of seconds.